Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Game Talk Radio. I'm Greg, and uh, today we've got really two things I want to talk about. Uh, first, we're going to talk about the recent news about Todd Rogers and his dragster score, and how they're talking about uh, his scores on Twin Galaxies being fake and uh, them being uh, basically he cheated. And then uh, secondly, I want to talk about Monster Hunter, which I spent the entire weekend playing and kind of go into that a little bit. But obviously, we want to talk about the first part. So the big news, uh, it was funny because th this article, as I read it, was like, oh, interesting. I, I definitely want to talk about that. And then it went into, holy crap, there's a lot here, into what am I reading? Like, I almost can't believe that I didn't know about some of this stuff. So I'm going to try to put this all together in a format, but I've been consuming so much of it that I'm trying to, like, piece it all together. So the headline is a man accused of cheating at video games may lose his Guinness World Record. So uh, Todd Rogers currently holds uh, a video game record. Let's see. Um, well, let, let's let's do this other one first. So infamous Atari player disqualified from world record after 35 years. So th this is the article I've been reading. I was reading on Kotaku, and, and I'm just going to kind of cover some of the highlights and then get into my, my piece about it. But uh, in 1982, Video game score chaser Todd Rogers supposedly set a world record time of 5.51 seconds in the Atari 2600 racing game Dragster. Last year, speedrunners called the score into question. After a lengthy arbitration process, Rogers' score was removed from Twin Galaxies, an organization that tracks video game records and high scores. So, basically, he's had this record since... 1982 it, you know so it was one of those things because back in the day activision you could you could they had these patches you could get and you would send in like a, a, a polaroid or video of you getting a high score on something and they would send you a patch it was like this really cool marketing ploy from them well eventually so so that's where a lot of this comes into play is you know todd rogers claims that he is 100 percent you know he, he got verified by activision so there should need to be no more proof of that um, and so it's this really interesting story. So it starts out where, you know, some people have really dug into it and there's, uh, <laughs> there's all these different stories. Let's see here. Um, some, some of these are just nuts. Like some of the scores that, that he has, because it starts off as just the story about Dragster and, and a lot of people, like even Ben Heck did a thing where he ripped apart an Atari to show like exactly how that score was actually impossible. So it wasn't even that these are disputed people are actually coming up with full-on facts that just prove that it's not possible like the stories he's looking at the scores that he posted were just not possible so so then you're like okay well he cheated on a 35 year old score or whatever it's it's over it's done well then there's uh there's a youtuber uh named apollo and uh apollo legend and it's an incredible video he did. Uh, I didn't get to watch all of it, but I just wanted to... I watched most of it, though. Uh, and so basically, he uh, <laughs> he goes into massive detail about this whole thing. So what we thought was, oh, hey, this guy got kicked for, you know, having a bogus score. He got kicked for having a bogus score. But it wasn't one bogus score. It was many bogus scores and a whole rabbit hole of craziness kind of follows with this so it's kind of interesting so again uh i'm i've got a million tabs open trying to keep all the quotes and everything straight so this is going to be a tough one to follow so just just bear with me on this one um but uh so twin galaxies in itself comes under a lot of scrutiny it's it's sort of become the like the the te the 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 
one stop for video game record keeping. So Twin Galaxies is basically known as like you post a high score to them, you participate in the forums, like that's gonna, you know, keep that that's the official record. And then you've got um you've got like the world the Guinness Book of World Records actually uses Twin Galaxies as the reference for when they want to give out awards. Which in fact they recently gave out an award and that's what I was talking about with the first comment. He might lose his Guinness World Record because uh, he, let's see, it was, um, in 2001, Guinness World Records recognized Rogers as having the longest standing video game record in the world since it was from 1982. So it seemed locked in, like you've got a Guinness Book of World Records, you've got proof that you proved to Activision. Um, however, uh, just, uh, yesterday, there were a, a growing number of complaints that Rogers had falsified his time, as well as an increasing pile of evidence suggesting that a 5.51 second run on Dragster was technically impossible. So Twin Galaxies announced on Monday that it had thrown out all of Rogers' records, not simply the 1982 Dragster time, but all of his records, and they have officially banned him for life from Twin Galaxies and from the forums. And I know what you're thinking at first. You're like, man, this, who cares, you know? But for this guy, this was this whole guy's life since ID2. He's often referred to as like the world's first pro gamer you know, when they built like a game team uh, back in the 80s. So like this, it's it's really interesting, especially when it was just massive cheating, you know. And I think this also proves that nothing, nothing can stop the Internet. Like when we, when we put our collective minds to something and we start digging, it's just unbelievable. Um, so... Uh, let's see here. I want to talk a little bit about this because, yeah, they show like the, the, the patch. Uh, Twin Galaxies uh, basically tweeted out in the wake of damning information provided by a former Twin Galaxies referee, a formal decision has been made in the Todd Rogers dragster dispute, which has resulted in his total removal and banning from Twin Galaxies. I mean, that's just like, boom, like they obviously found something huge. You don't just remove one and then remove all and then just kick them off. Now, does that really do anything to, to Todd Rogers? Probably not. I mean, realistically, it's not like he was making money off of being this guy unless he was going to video game expos and being like, meet the because, you know, he was actually had the nickname like Mr. Activision because he was so amazing at all these Activision games. So it's possible he was going to conventions, but I don't know, stuff like that. You don't really get paid a lot to do things like that. And I I mean, maybe he was, maybe, I don't know. Maybe he was making money doing it. I, I highly doubt it was very much, if he was. Um, so according to Twin Galaxies, some of the evidence against Rogers included an analysis by a video game player and computer engineer named Eric Koziel, who constructed a frame-by-frame -frame model. And I love how much work they put into this. <laughs> a frame-by-frame -frame model to show that even with a computer assisting to optimize the time, the fastest anyone can compete, complete a dragster run was 5.57 seconds, which is the second place. And subsequently, a lot of people have gotten 5.57. It's just 5.51 is just seemingly impossible. So then we have a quote from Rogers. So he 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 heard about this, and so he attack he comes back with uh, with what he knows. So he says, let's see here. Um. Uh, let's see here. Uh, we also have a quote from David Crane, who was actually the designer of the game. So what he says, the, the designer says, um, Activision validated Todd's dragster score using the accepted methods of the day. So he's saying that it, he stands by the fact that the record holds because Activision verified it. But now when you think of Activision today, you have to understand that Activision in the early 80s was a totally different and totally tiny company compared to the like, goliath than it is today so 
with that being said, a validation process might not have been very well vetted. There might have been like an intern in a room looking at stuff going, oh, this guy sent in a record. All right, cool. Here's his pin. Let's validate it. Let's go. He may not even have looked at any proof. He may not even have seen anything. It could have been a doctored Polaroid that he didn't even care. You know what I mean? There's a million things that could have happened. Um, so, uh, yeah. So David Crane says, a full quote, Activision validated Todd's dragster score using the accepted methods of the day. The time to question any of those records has passed. So that's the creator of the game says that. So I don't know if he knows him or if he's friends with him. You know, you don't know stuff like that. Um, but obviously, as speedrunning becomes like more, more a thing, that uh, more people are going to scrutinize it, especially people who are going after those records. So when you've got people who are working their ass off to get these records, and then they can't, they can't even get close to a world record. I mean, of course, they're going to start to question it, and then they're going to start to really, really look into it. And apparently, this 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 dragster thing has been going on for a very long time, <laughs> and and this is like the first I've heard of it, which makes me really sad because I love stuff like this. Like I, I love, you know, the the internet justice, but I also love like the old school game and, and like learning the history of all this sort of stuff. It's just incredibly interesting to me. Uh, so uh, even tool assisted runners could not come as close. To that score, as Rogers had claimed, Koziel told uh, Kotaku, the more I dove into it, the harder and harder it became to identify ways to improve further. Um, so let's see. The best record time with video evidence is 5.61, which five people on Twin Galaxies chart currently hold. And while Koziel simulated a method that could realistically achieve a time of 5.57, there is little room for error, a mere eight frames of leeway. At a speed of 30 frames per second, that leaves slightly over a quarter for a second for mistakes. I mean, that's that's insane. That's really insane. Um, so uh, supporting Roger's claim that 5.51 is achievable is the fact that although he's the only record that recognized by Twin Galaxies, Activision said that two other players had achieved scores of 5.51 in the spring of 1983. Uh, edition of its newsletter. So Activision had a newsletter that said two other people had also achieved that score. Now, again, were people lying about it because they saw Roger's score and they wanted to be, you know, in this newsletter? Maybe. Like, it's it's very different back then than it was now. Like, this wasn't a super vetted thing. It was like, like back then they were probably like, who's going to cheat on these? Who cares? It's just a video game thing for very few people. You know, it wasn't a huge, it wasn't so huge back then, you know? Um, but uh, let's see. Uh, now, th this is what David Crane said, though, about Activision. He said Activision used photographic evidence requiring a Polaroid photo of the TV screen. He said this was pre-internet and pre-Photoshop. It would have been very difficult to falsify a Polaroid photo. Okay, so so I believe that that is what, they, that is what their standards were. But we don't know that that's what happened when the everything was sent to Activision. Um, let's see. Uh, now... Crane also goes on to say, if Rogers were simply making up a high score, it would be highly unlikely that he would invent a number, the number 5.51 out of whole cloth. While the game's timer may appear to count each hundredth of a second, it actually advances 0 0.03 seconds at a time. Activision's internal tests gave them a theoretical best time of 5.54, and if Rogers was able to best that by a single tick of the clock, it would have been 5.51. So if someone was trying to cheat in some other way, he wouldn't have known to claim that exact time. That's what Crane is saying is is more proof that it would it was a legit score. I think you can rest assured that Todd's time was in fact the time of his run and as played on the actual game system. So now they start to bring into question, well, that it was played on an actual system. You know, these people doing tool assisted speed runs, like, you know, whatever. 
Um, and then, of course, uh, he talks about the other three people that uh, have apparently gotten that score. Uh, so now this is uh, in, in a 2002 forum, uh, Mr. Activision, Todd Rogers, explains his method. He says, the only way I beat their time was to engage the clutch at the countdown and rev up my engine in the red just before the count to zero. Once the time reaches zero, I pop my clutch and I'm already in second gear. Now, Koziel, the speedrunner, believes that even this would not be enough to secure Rogers' time, although he said it would theoretically be possible if Rogers had somehow been able to start the race one frame early. Obviously, that's what they're talking about, you know, 0 0.03 seconds per frame, one frame early. It's, of course, possible. Um, it's possible that his Atari happened to have a memory block stuck at some value that enabled certain things to happen that could have caused a 5.51. So he, he even, uh, you know, even Koziel is like, giving him the benefit of the doubt saying it's certainly possible that there was something up with his Atari that would have allowed that score to happen. Of course, there's never been a publicly released photo of the score. Um, of course. Uh, and let's see here. Uh, and it's unfortunately, it's not just this score. As you kind of go down the rabbit hole, this is not the only score that has be become under scrutiny. So here, here's here's a couple of the other ridiculous ones. So let's go into this right away. Um, so here's some more of the ridiculous ones. <laughs> it's suspicious. Someone made a Google Doc. This is great. It's called Todd Rogers' Suspicious Times. <laughs> so uh, this is in alphabetical order. Uh, Battle Zone. He has 1.5 million score, and second place is 384,000. Uh, for Bermuda Triangle, he has a 1.7 million score. Second place is 20,000. Uh, now, the 20,000 one, the note says, second place proven run of 20,000 took approximately six minutes. Estimated time needed to reach for the world record would be eight hours. <laughs> it's so, so apparently he played uh, Bermuda Triangle for eight hours. Uh, Cosmic Arc, 1.2 million. Five, uh, second place, 520,000. Or excuse me, second place, 83,000. Uh, and then there's a video of, of 17,000 shows run lasting approximately 14 minutes. So the estimated time to reach that score on Cosmic Arc would be 17 hours, 17 plus. Uh, this is my favorite, I think. Donkey Kong Jr., 15 million on the dot. Just 15 million on the dot. Next highest score, 389,800. Second place video took approximately 40 minutes. So the estimate for the world record, 25 hours to get that score of straight playing to get that score. So those those are some of the crazier ones. Um, like here's one for Enduro. He has a score of 118,000. Second place, 3,617. Proven score took approximately 40 minutes, putting the world record estimate at 42 hours i mean it's ridiculous man um journey escape he had 105,000, or excuse me 105 million 105 million second place 4 million <laughs> so estimated time to beat world record 106 hours i mean this is maddening i mean so this guy holds god i don't know this spreadsheet's got like 120 listings 120 games are on a list of his suspicious times you know what does that tell you i mean there's just almost a little too much smoke here to not be any fire right so 
<laughs> so that's just like this list of ridiculousness. The Donkey Kong one I think is my favorite because it's also on the dot, and that game adds up in 100 point increments. So to get like to a million on the dot is pretty ridiculous. So, uh, but it is what it is, you know. Um, let's see. His uh, he has a, a record for Centipede, for example, that has been listed on the Twin Galaxy site as being 65 million. <laughs> the second highest score. Is 58,000. <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense. Also, if you're going to fake something like that, why would you fake 65 million? Now, I will play a little bit of devil's advocate here. And let's say that when this was being entered, maybe it was supposed to be 65,000. And the score was 58,000. Maybe it got an extra set of three zeros. That is totally possible in something like this was being logged. But then they should fix that unless they asked him and he said he actually got it. Um, but yeah, that, so it's possible it's a clerical error, of course. But according to all this stuff, he's claiming 65 million points and second place is 58,000 points. Like it's not even, you know, like how, how do you have someone who's been working super hard at it get to 58,000 and then you've got the number one guy at 65 million? I mean, that's just too much of a gap, just too much. So for months this investigation has been going on back and forth uh a lot of people have been bitching about rogers records rightfully so calling into question the validity of twin galaxies if they're going to leave up records like that um so i think a lot of times uh like like for instance here's uh david crane um talking more about that let's see uh he said he can't provide anything more concrete than his opinion though so he's even saying that there are no facts he's just basically saying that's his opinion uh but however none of that would matter because Twin Galaxies, as of Monday, announced that they are removing all of his scores, banning him from Twin Galaxies from competition and from the forums. So this is what Twin Galaxies says. We cannot change Activision's acknowledgement of this score, but we have an overall responsibility for gaming achievements and can no longer accept their historical records as the sole justification for scores set at the time. Twin Galaxies stated calling the process an ordeal and a learning experience. We care very much about our scoreboard integrity and we will continue to improve step by step no matter how painful it might occasionally be. Twin Galaxies is dedicated to absolutely rooting out invalid scores, our historic database, wherever we find them. Koziel said Monday's ruling by Twin Galaxies was a relief and that his efforts to disprove Roger's time wasn't personal. He said the two don't know each other and they've never spoken, but it was a question of integrity to the speedrunning community. And I agree with that, you know, um, to those who find new ways to play video games as quickly as possible. This was a long time coming, Koziel told the Washington Post. It's all about trying to encourage everybody who wants to pick speedrunning up and go. If you have some times that are blatantly impossible and will stand forever, that's a great discouraging piece to a whole lot of people who would otherwise try it. For those who continue to support Rogers' now disqualified 5.51 second score, despite the evidence to the contrary, Koziel said there was probably little else he could do to change their minds. I'm glad that it's over, at least as far as I can reasonably see. So that was Koziel. Now, so you're like, okay, well, this, you know, that's that, and, and, and everything's kind of there. But uh, this goes even deeper, if, if you can believe that. So now what I'm trying to do here is there was um, th there was some really interesting quotes um so there was a guy on the um oh, let's see what is that it was on the Nint uh, the nintendo age forums so his, his name was firebrand x his avatar is firebrand from demon's crest much love and he uh he talks about him being a former twin galaxies employee so here's what he says uh 
I used to work for Twin Galaxy some years ago, but hated it. My brother and I were constantly... Now, this says for some some years ago, and this post was made in 2012, so I'm not sure if that means early 2000s, and we're not quite sure. Um, I used to work for Twin Galaxy some years ago, but hated it. My brother and I were constantly having to fight with what I called the Old Guard, comprised of record holders from the early 80s. First, they resisted every one of our innovative new ideas, like speed records for consoles, speed gaming records for consoles, and then later we discovered a lot of the records from the 80s were bogus because video proof was not required back then. The worst was Mr. Activision, a.k.a. Todd Rogers, where I and several others were able to prepare a case and conclusively prove Todd had been completely fabricating world records for various Atari games. To name a few, Barnstorming. Todd's record, which stood for many years, was proven to be impossible once we broke down the game code and stripped the stage of any obstacles. So, I mean, this is tearing into the actual game itself. With the stage completely blank, flying a straight line to the finish was slower than Todd's record. When we presented this evidence, we were attacked by fans and supporters of Todd, and eventually an excuse was cooked up that I lovingly refer to as the coffee stain excuse. Uh, which I'll, I'll have to go into later. Apparently there's a Polaroid of the proof uh, of that score but a coffee stain got on the top darn it and it's covering up the score darn it um sky jinx for the 2600 todd's record time for the game also proved to be bogus and i showed how it was physically impossible when a modified version of the stage that required only 10 banks instead of 16 showed the plane already came in slower than todd's record donkey kong 2600 todd's record was entered as 15 million I immediately suspected it was bogus since the best results from professionals at the game were well under 1 million. I protested the record and Todd claimed that there were full videotapes documenting the marathon session. One of the refs, the same one that came up with the coffee stain excuse, claimed indeed there was a set of tapes. I asked one of the lead referees to investigate and verify these supposed tapes of the records. After several months, the lead ref concluded the tapes never existed and removed Todd's record from the database. Uh, he's also, then he goes on to say more, who knows how many records were fudged back before more strict requirements were put into place. After a while of constantly banging heads with the often corrupt old guard, my brother and I both had enough and quit twin galaxies entirely. Eventually the one lead referee we could trust at the time also quit. And that was a major loss for the site. Um, so, so, I mean, that's kind of it right there. That's a guy who used to work there said that the people who worked there, the referees were kind of fudging things. So then a few people are questioning him, like, I never submitted scores because I didn't want to record it and blah, blah, blah. And, and so he's he's arguing with people, you know, about how it's not that hard to record gameplay and stuff like that, which I agree. Um, Back in the day, I used to run uh, I used to run my Nintendo through the VCR, and I could record stuff like that. You know, it, was, it wasn't too bad. Like, you just run the signal, the pass-through, um, and it worked. So so that's, you know, that's one of the, the big ones, you know, talking to this former Twin Galaxies employee. However... It gets even deeper than that. So we have, um, we have the guy who verified all of his records. That's what I want to see here next. Um, okay, so apparently then, uh, Todd Rodgers has also been accused of entering his own scores. So you're like entering his own scores. What are you, what are you talking about entering his own scores? So here's what his comment is about that on another forum. Uh, he says. This brings me to the heated issue of me entering my own gaming scores into the Twin Galaxies database that Wolf talks about. Wolf is Firebrand on that forum. 
I have admitted in recent times that I am no longer employed by Twin Galaxies on both forums and interviews when it came to the topic of me entering my own scores into the Twin Galaxies database that I did, but on a small scale and only one time. We were not able to discuss such matters while we worked at Twin Galaxies due to the NDAs we signed, that's a non-disclosure agreement, that we signed, and if it were discussed, it would have compromised the integrity of the Twin Galaxies brand itself. So he's basically saying he did put his own score in one time, and the one time he did it, he couldn't talk about it because it would have hurt the brand of Twin Galaxies if they knew that people working there were able to put in their own scores. And that's very true. That's not a that's not a false fact, but this does prove that he entered his own scores, at least admittedly, one time. Most likely, if I had to guess, a lot more than one time. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so, so there's that. And then I wanted to get to, there's one other one, because they talk about his friend. Let me get it here. They talk about his friend who helped him uh, who helped him get the record. And actually, here, here's a really interesting one, too. So, apparently, he has a score of 1,698 points on the game. What game is this? It's like hair. Oh, God, what is it? Hair. It's like where you, it's like you shoot rabbits. And uh, he has 1,698 points, but the scores go up in increments of five. So, either he didn't play the game, or he played it just not enough to realize that the scores could go up by a different amount. So obviously that's fake, and that needs to be fixed. Um, so, so there's that. And then there's lastly, yeah, there's one more. I really got to find this about the, the guy who I think it's back towards the middle. Because I'll be honest, I'm scrubbing this video because, uh, um, because uh, it's the video that Apollo did, and it's Apollo Legend is awesome. Go check out his channel and subscribe. Like he he. Like, he does serious legwork on this thing. And uh, so he says, there are some 17... This is a quote from Todd Rogers. There were some 1,700 of my scores that were lost from the database or point blank just never put into the database by Ron. Gone for several tapes, proving scores that are in question, including my 14-videotape, 85-hour marathon on the Atari 2600 Journey Escape. After Ron's trouble was settled, and I'll get into that in a minute... Brian King got the tapes back from the police department as Robert had been retelling over the years, but he was only given approximately 125 tapes from the police of which just one was from Robert and just 25 or so were from me. No other tapes were returned by the police. Just 25 tapes attributed to me could in no way at all begin to represent the totality of what was sent to Ron. So the reason this is a little interesting is because Ron uh, was basically arrested for uh assaulting a, a little girl so when that happened they obviously police confiscated all of his videotapes out of his house looking for child pornography i assume and so they're saying that all these videotapes of his records got taken by the police well apollo legend contacts that police department and they tell him that they returned every single tape that they took out there all 125 tapes were given back to them so again, it's just another one of these lies and stories. So this Ron guy, though, he was a judge at Twin Galaxies. So he, uh, let's see here. Um, I just want to get into a little bit more about that guy. Because I'm trying to get to the point where they talk about how they were friends. Yeah, so Ron uh, Corcoran was, was a judge at Twin Galaxies. And he was a friend of Todd Rogers, and he's the one who verified all of Todd Rogers' scores. I mean, come on. This is this is corruption, absolutely. Like, it's not even a question at this point, right? 
it's just it's just really sad. And like I said, and and so this Ron guy was found to be a pedophile. And when the police arrested him, then they they confiscate all of his videotapes, which apparently were all the records that that Todd Rogers had. It's like, man, what a, what a, what a shame, you know, that he just couldn't figure out. Uh, <laughs> he just couldn't have any proof of anything that he's ever done ever. Very very interesting stuff. Uh, and then a little bit more. Lastly, from uh, Firebrand. Uh, who was the guy on the forums who used to work at Twin Galaxies? Uh, he he had he says I quickly learned of his celebrity status at Twin Galaxies and being Mr. Activision because nobody, and I mean nobody, could touch him at any Atari Activision game he set records for. So it was made very clear that Todd was untouchable and unquestionable. Which I mean, how stupid is that? Uh, really. Um. So he talks. Uh. This is this is how he goes over it. So he says, I like to get a gauge of how tough the world records truly were by practicing on the game in question. When I started testing various 2600 records already long established by Todd in the Twin Galaxy database, that's when I began to realize things weren't adding up. I would take a game like Barnstorming, for example, get within the top five of the log records with it, only to realize that Todd's number... One score seemed flat out unreachable by a long shot. Indeed, the second place times were nowhere near what Todd got, and I began to smell BS. I mean, we're talking about tracks that you finish in mere seconds, yet Todd's first place time was revealing what seemed to be impossible. And then that's when they started talking about Ron. Um, let's see here, because he obviously knew him too. Mr. Cochran was the ref that took responsibility for logging and verifying Todd Rogers' records. I would later find out they were friends. So anyway, that's just going on about that. So it also brings into question then the validity of Twin Galaxies. So first I have to give them credit. Uh, I have to give them props for straight up banning him and removing all of his scores. I think it was the right thing to do. But it's clearly a PR, a PR move on their part. Because if they don't do that, no one will... Under, believe any of their scores and they have to protect their brand they have to protect i mean they've worked really hard clearly to be in the position where they're known as the authority when it comes to record keeping so they have to purge bad records but i and i'm, and I'm gonna i'm gonna be a little nice to twin galaxies here now clearly both those guys worked at twin galaxies uh todd rogers and ron cochran corcoran so they were obviously trying to like they were friends and they they wanted their they wanted their records to stand. But I also think it's fair to say that running of Twin Galaxies now wants to maintain something. And they didn't want to just all of a sudden go back in time and just delete a million records. You know, like they, they didn't want to just all of a sudden without the proof and the backing, they didn't just want to go back and just purge. So I'm glad that they looked into it. It's unfortunate that they didn't do the research, though. It's it's really is unfortunate that, that, you know, the Reddit army had to, like, come out of the woodwork. But it is an incredibly interesting story. Uh, so officially, Todd Rogers, Mr. Activision himself, banned from Twin Galaxies, all of his high scores removed, and uh, and that's it. You know, I it's it's so interesting to me, but I also go to a little bit, I guess, about why why would you cheat on something like that? Like, what was the what was the reason? You know, like what 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 motivates someone to do that? You know, I mean, what's the point of cheating if, I mean, what, what did he get from it? You know, um, I didn't, uh, I, I didn't understand like what the point is of that when you could just, I don't know. I'm, I'm so flabbergasted, honestly, like I'm, I'm tripping over my words because I just can't put it into words. Like how stupid it is to fake something that's unimportant, 
you know like like is this guy so like weak-minded that he has to have like what is the point of being a record holder if you know that you faked it right that's the point i guess i'm trying to make that's what i get hung up on what is the point of cheating if you know you cheated i mean i maybe it's just because i'm not wired that way but it just it infuriates it, it me. Like I don't understand. And, and he's sitting here bragging about his Guinness World Records, and he's holding up a copy of the game, and he's like, like celebrity. I mean, is that is that what this is about? You know, back then celebrity was so little with video games. You know, obviously now it'd be different. But ah, man, just wild, wild stuff. And what started off as a really interesting story about one high score being challenged and removed, then turns into an incredible story about. <laughs> about every one of his records being false removed. And I'm sure that some of those were real records. It wouldn't surprise me if some were real. But obviously, he's trying to maintain some sort of celebrity status and, and obviously fudged a lot. So, um, but uh, anyway, so uh, that's really all I want to talk about with that story. Incredibly interesting, though. And it, it just, man, I love that. That's the sort of story I like to dig into and to really, like, learn about. Um, so then, secondly... I'm going to uh, talk about Monster Hunter. So I had an incredible weekend playing Monster Hunter. Um, it uh, it was, I mean, Monster Hunter. Okay, let me just say, first of all, it's one of my favorite games of all time. I've been playing it since the PS2 era. My uh, my brother and I, my two brothers and I, and a friend of mine, Mike, were the four core people that played together. And so we always just get together, we jam, we crush it. Every time a new Monster Hunter game comes out, we take the weekend off, we go play, and then we jam. So unfortunately for the last couple of Monster Hunter releases, it has been a handheld device. And I just have a real hard time playing handhelds. Uh, I, my hands start to cramp up, like my forearms actually go numb. And like I have to shake it out and I have to constantly be like, I, I cramp up, like I can't, I can't play handhelds. It's really frustrating to me, but it's just what it is. So I almost died at E3 when I saw a trailer for Monster Hunter World. I could not believe that there was a new Monster Hunter game coming and that it was not even a year away. Like, I was just blown away. So obviously we've been planning this for a long time this weekend. So I went to my brother's house and uh, I took off the weekend. It was Friday, Saturday, Sunday I was off. But the game, if you bought it digitally, you could start playing at 11 p.m. So I bought the game digitally, which I normally never do, obviously, as a collector, but knowing I'm never going to get rid of Monster Hunter and it's a game I'm going to play all the time, I left it. So, Monster Hunter, uh, 11 p.m. comes out, start playing Monster Hunter. I don't go to sleep until 7 a.m. I take a two-hour power nap, back up at 9 a.m. I play until midnight. Midnight, I go to bed and get a regular night's sleep so I'm not completely destroyed. Saturday, I play from about 9 a.m. until about... 4 a.m. in the morning the following Sunday morning sleep for about four hours get up play for three or four more hours before coming home when I get home it's Sunday at like one I hook up my ps4 and start playing Monster Hunter <laughs> seemingly for the rest of the night last night I got home from work at about nine played Monster Hunter for two and a half hours today as soon as I'm done with this podcast I will be recording Monster Hunter videos going crazy and then uh play Monster Hunter all night again so that's a little bit about how how I am with Monster Hunter. To, to give you an example of how obsessed I am with it, uh, so in Japan, they had announced that a Monster Hunter PS4 Pro special system was coming out called the um, uh, the uh, Leolis edition, which is, Leolis is what they call Rathalos here in the US version. So the Rathalos edition. 
it, it's a it's a and I'm looking at it right now. It's a black PS4 Pro with like a Rathalos kind of logo on it. This really awesome red controller, just incredible. They announce it's not coming stateside. Capcom says absolutely not coming to the United States. Okay, fine. I'll import one from Japan. Only site I can find one because nobody's doing pre-orders outside of Japan is a company called Solaris Japan, which I go to for a lot of my import stuff. They're a great company, uh, and a lot of times they do pre-orders now. Uh, but after shipping and pre-ordering, it cost me $650 to get this damn system. But I do it because I'm a Monster Hunter fan, so I, I dive right into it. And so there's that. And then I... Uh, I know that there's a collector's edition for the game, which had a couple months ago had been announced. I go into GameStop, pre-order one before they announced it was a GameStop exclusive. So I pre-order one. Luckily, I get that because that's going for double what it costs retail now. I got lucky. Got mine yesterday. Actually came in the mail. It was awesome. So I bought the collector's edition of the game. Then I hear that if you buy the game digital, you can start playing at 11 p.m. and you can preload the game, pre-download it. Sign me up. All right. I'm, I'm there. Like, yeah. Okay. So I buy the game digitally. Then I'm in GameStop because I wanted to pre-order that monster. Uh, oh, sorry. I'm getting ahead of myself. Then a week before the game comes out, Capcom announces, oh, hey, by the way, we are going to release the Rathalos PS4 Pro here in the States in very limited quantities at GameStop only. Okay, so I've got to get the US one. So I go to GameStop and I pre-order one. While I'm there, the gentleman informs me that they are going to be selling it at 9 p.m. And I'm like... Well, damn it, I wouldn't have bought a digital if I could have played the physical at 9 p.m., damn it. So I go there, I pick up a copy for my brother at 9 p.m. I have my digital one already that I can play at 11. By the time I get to my brother's house and unpacked up the computer or unpack the TV and everything, it's like 10, 10, 15 at night, Thursday night. That was the longest 45 minutes of my entire life waiting for 11 o'clock. I just sat there in my chair like, and my brother had the physical copy. So he's installed. He's going through the character creator. He's going through the beginning story stuff. And I'm just like, this is, this sucks, man. I want to be playing this. So, uh, so we're going through everything. Uh, he, he sets it all up. He's ready to play 11 o'clock hits. I log into the game. I start playing and the rest is history from there. It was just incredible. Um, so obviously some things about the game that I like and some things I don't like, because this will essentially be my Monster Hunter review. So, first off, and this is actually funny because it's the exact same way that my buddy Jared started off his review of it, was it is the best Monster Hunter they've ever made. Uh, and that's saying a lot coming from us since we've played every single one. And I even played Monster Hunter Portable 3rd, which was on the PSP only in Japan. I actually imported, oh well, I, I imported the game but since I couldn't play in English, I found uh, English patches for the ISOs so I could play an English version of the game. Played through all of Monster Hunter Portable 3rd. And then I've, I've played everything. You know, I've played them all. And I love them all. And this one finally feels like a true sequel. Like this one, every other game since the first one has essentially felt like an expansion pack or just the same game with a different set of monsters. This one actually feels like a sequel. They've added things. They've changed things. They've left enough alone to make it still really interesting, but now they've changed enough where it feels fresh to me. So I absolutely love the game. Um, one thing that I think was amiss, uh, now the way Monster Hunter used to work was you typically had a single-player hunter's hall and a multiplayer hunter's hall. So when me and my brothers and my friend Mike got together, we would all go into the online hunter's hall, start doing rank 1 quests, just do all the quests, go to rank 2, do all the quests, go to rank 3, do all the quests, so on and so forth. 
And then on your own time, you would play single player uh, to try to get caught up and to do quest submissions. But you, uh, you didn't even really need to do single player. It just would help you like upgrade your farm and stuff like that. Well, in this game, they've integrated the two single player and multiplayer. No problem. I guess that's fine because now as a single player, you can do everything that a multiplayer hall could do. So I like what they've done with that. However, there's, and I think it's a, it, it was a bug or it was something that they couldn't figure out a problem. So they had to put it in there. But when you try to join someone's story mission, if they haven't seen the cutscene yet, or you haven't seen the cutscene yet that takes place in that video, you can't join them on that quest. Really, really, really strange. So what we had to do was basically we'd all start the quest get through the cutscene, three of us would leave and then join the fourth person on their quest. It counted for all of us when we did it, but for some reason it just had to do with that cutscene issue. So it's not, it's not impossible to get around. It was just kind of a little annoyance. And I think what was probably happening was Capcom was running into issues having four people play with different cinematics playing for them all on the mission. So my guess then is that they just made that, they put that stopper in there to prevent whatever issues it was causing. It just kind of caused some headaches, no big deal. Um, so we got around it, no big deal. My only other real complaint with the game is they've they've more aggressively made the monsters run away. Since they're not programmed to go to different zones, they'll still sometimes run. Uh, and, and I often think it's running too much. Like, they'll stay and fight, and then every monster has their, 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 I call it the old crap button. It's like they just roar, and it stuns you, and then they just run away. So it's like, okay, so you're beating it up, and then it roars, and it runs away. But every monster does that, even the small ones. It's kind of stupid, because you shouldn't be able to be in my opinion, stunned by a small monster roaring in your ear. But anyway, uh, so that's annoying. And then lastly, some of the level design is just insane. Like the, the ancient forest, it looks beautiful. Like from a design standpoint, it's incredible. From, from a look standpoint, from a design standpoint, it's an absolute travesty to try to run around. Like sometimes you'll be trying to hunt a monster. They'll fly somewhere and they can fly over the top and then you have to run through tree branches underwater and all these other things to get to them. And sometimes it can take four or five minutes to run there. It's really nuts. And so that's some of the levels are really like really irritating that way to me because I just want an area to fight the monster in. Uh, but it is very good looking and it is a great game. Those are my only real minor complaints. Obviously the big things that they've improved upon that I love the open world aspect of it. You can now go on expeditions where you're not timed on your missions. Just go out and hunt all you want, gather all you want. There's no limits. Doesn't matter. It's incredible. So you've got that. And then you've got, uh, obviously, the graphical improvements. Everything's a little bit smoother. They've they've got mounting in the game. They've done things like you can slide downhill and then launch and jump into an attack to mount. Really cool stuff. All cool stuff. So the game itself is a 100% improvement over every other Monster Hunter. It's just, it's got it. And now that it's on ps4 and xbox one and coming to pc eventually i think it's this one's finally gonna be the one to break through mainstream they've been talking about monster hunter breaking through to the mainstream for years but it's always been on like the 3ds or it was on the wii u and so these are consoles that weren't mainstream con well the 3ds was a mainstream console but it was still a handheld so you were and it was only one manufacturer so you were limiting your your customer base as opposed to nint you know if you have it on xbox and playstation which, and that wouldn't surprise me at all if they're desperately working to see if they can get this game on the Switch. Because they they missed out big not bringing it to the Switch. But uh, as one of the developers said a few weeks ago, they've been working on this game for three years. So the Switch wasn't even a twinkle in our eye when, when they announced or when they started working on this game. They picked the two platforms it would work for, which was Xbox and PlayStation. So, uh, so with that being said, though, 
it, Capcom has announced that it has shipped, not sold, very important distinction, but it has shipped 5 million copies just over the weekend, making it already the most successful Monster Hunter game ever. The cool thing about that is I heard that even Amazon was sold out for a little while. Amazon doesn't typically sell out of anything because they have multiple f- warehouses and multiple areas they can ship things to you. Very impressive stuff, though. Congratulations, Capcom, on a very successful launch. Uh, there were some network problems over the weekend. PSN died, but I think between Dragon Ball Fighters and and Monster Hunter, I think the Sony servers just took a dump on themselves. <laughs> I don't know. And then for Capcom's Xbox servers, they were having matchmaking issues also. But it's a new game, online-focused, over the weekend. The first weekend it comes out, there's going to be problems. Uh, thankfully, Monster Hunter has a lot of fun you can do by yourself. So when you can't play with your friends, we were still all in the house jamming and, and playing the game. So it was great. It was incredible. Uh, and uh, it is everything I wanted it to be. I put in, starting at 11 p.m. on Thursday, I put in as of Sunday night, 48 hours into the game over the course of one weekend, which is bonkers when I think about it. (laughs) It's really, really mental, but uh, it is what it is. Uh, And it was really good, and I'm very happy. I'm very, very happy with it. Uh, I've been really enjoying it a lot. I'm going to start doing some videos on it today, playing some more Monster Hunter, and just tearing it up. So um, I highly recommend it, but I, I have to be very careful when I talk to customers about it and I talk to friends about it because... It's a game that uh, it's not for everybody. It just truly isn't, you know, and this one is the most accessible it's ever been, but it's not for everybody. You know, some people want a truly open world story based game. This isn't really that. This is more of a gear focused grind fest where you have to kill monsters to loot them to get better gear for, you know, for your uh, character. You don't level up your character. You level up your gear and your gear makes you take less damage and your your weapons make you do more damage, not anything to do with your personal character. So it's little things like that that I've always found intriguing about the game. I absolutely love it, but it's not for everybody. Not everyone's going to like it. In fact, a friend of mine, Adam, he didn't like it, and it sucks because uh, it's one of those games that I can love it as much as I want, but I have to accept that a lot of people just won't like it. Uh, But I highly recommend trying to check it out, whether it's, you know, find a used copy at GameStop that you can return or my store that you can return if you don't like it for full value towards something else or... You know, something like that. Just look into something like that. It's uh, try to find a way to play it before buying it. Or if you got the extra cash, just plunk it down. Worst case, come back and sell it to me. We'll figure it out. But anyway, uh, that's pretty much what we want to talk about on the podcast today. Uh, so now I want to look at my game collection again. Pick out a, a, a game recommendation. Um, I don't know if I've ever talked about this. And if I have, I'll talk about it again because it deserves it. So we're going to pull out Snatcher from the list. So Snatcher is one of my all-time favorite games. This is the uh, this was uh, d- uh, done designed, excuse me, by Hideo Kojima uh, of Metal Gear fame, and uh, it- it's a really really fun game. So it's kind of like a point-and-click adventure game would be the best way to describe it. Except you don't really move around; you only see screens in front of you. So think something like Mist. But it's got really good dialogue, incredible music, great soundtrack. Konami was killing the soundtracks back then. But then imagine it's kind of like a, a mix between Terminator and Blade Runner, if you can imagine that. So you, you play as someone who's hunting down these essentially replicants, and you kind of even have a coat that makes you look like Deckard. But, uh, you know, Kojima was heavily influenced by movies back then, so this was clearly heavily influenced by Terminator and, and, uh, and by Blade Runner. 
but just incredible game. It's really fun. It's like I said, it's not it's not an action game. You know, you're not gonna you're not gonna blow, run around and blow stuff up, but it's you have to you have to figure out where to go and and uh, solve kind of this mystery that's going on, and then. You go to one of the places you have to go is like this nightclub. It's like a Konami nightclub where everyone's wearing costumes, and you can see like the two guys from Contra's there, like Dracula's there. It just really, it was really cool. But it's a, uh, it, it's a really fun game. Highly recommend it. You could watch a playthrough of it and probably get just as much enjoyment out of it. Um, but then to break up the gameplay a little bit, they did add a shooting section of the game, which is uh, like you'll get into a scene where you have to shoot enemies, and you could use the justifier on the Sega CD version, which is what I have, uh, and or you could use the D-pad. And I actually found the D-pad easier because it's a 3x3 three three grid. So if you press up on the D-pad, it goes to the up middle square. And then you shoot. If you press down, it goes to down middle. If you leave it alone, it's in the middle. So you just have to kind of press a direction and hit the button to like shoot in that square. So it's really easy to be accurate, is my point. Also a very rare game. It sells for about $500 uh, online. And uh, I bought it when it was 200 And I remember thinking, God, I can't believe I'm spending $200 on a game. <laughs> but I'm very glad I bought it when I did. But just an incredible game. Highly recommended, especially if you like Kojima storytelling and if you like uh, the that style of game, you know, like the old school, like detective, point and click, find clues, you know, find uh, different uh, items around to use in different places. So really, really good. So as always, I always appreciate you guys watching and listening. If you're seeing this on YouTube, thank you. Um, and if you could, you know, mash that subscribe button down here, here. Here? I don't know. This camera's reversed. I can't ever see anything in the display they give me. So, yeah, mash that subscribe button. We'd so appreciate it. Um, give us a little bit of love. Uh, if you could share, comment, whatever you want. Uh, and if obviously, if you leave comments or if you have questions for us, I'd love to answer this on a podcast anytime, uh, whether it's on SoundCloud, iTunes. If you guys are listening to it there, thank you very much for listening to it there. And also, please feel free to... Um, to uh, find us on YouTube. If you go to droprate.life, that'll get you to our YouTube channel, or you can just go to YouTube and look up the drop rate and you can find us there. So anyway, I so, so, I know I always say, it, I so appreciate you guys listening. I have so much fun doing this. I hope you all have a great day and we'll talk to you again soon. Bye-bye.